1: Welcome to Ladies Talking Leafs. I'm Chris. And I'm Sil. And hope everybody is doing well and at least semi or partially recovered after another disappointing end to the
0: leaf season, 18 years and counting. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. This is definitely a tough show for us to have to do uh, once again. And it's definitely not how we expected things to go after having such a great regular season. And seeing the attitude of the team, they just seem different this year. But unfortunately, it is the same results.
1: Yeah. So um, before we get into this show, we're going to start off with uh, a couple of good news moments uh, from last week. Um, First, the pride of Scarborough, Michael Bunting was nominated for the Calder Trophy for Rookie of the Year. Uh, Bunting actually had the most points for rookies, uh, had 23 goals, 40 assists for 63 points, He's going up against uh, Detroit Red Wings defenseman Moritz Seider and Anaheim Ducks forward Trevor Zegras. And personally, I just think he's not going to get it, but at least he was nominated. Um, I think the Red Wings defenseman is probably going to Seider apparently is the lead for it. But but at least he got he got the nomination. So that's good because he did have a great season.
0: Mm -hmm. And I know a lot of people knock him because he's older. But you know what? uh there's something to be said for being you know slotted into a certain role and working your way out of that coming into this organization and working from the get go and getting yourself off of that fourth line slot, which is where they, they th- thought they were going to be using you and yeah. working your way up to the top line and contributing like this. So uh, congratulations definitely to Michael Bunting yeah. for that. And, it, and it's not easy to play with star players. So, no, 100%. So,
1: and it's his first season, let's say the first full season um, as, a, as a player. So um, as a rookie player. So yeah, congratulations to Michael Bunting.
0: And, of course, we also want to congratulate uh, Austin Matthews, who was nominated for the Hart Trophy, which is given out to the player who is regarded as the most valuable to his team. Uh, Of course, he's up against uh, Oilers' Connor McDavid and Rangers goalie Igor Shosturkin. He was also nominated for the Ted Lindsay Award, which is awarded to the NHL's Most Outstanding Player. And this award is voted on by the players. And the other finalists for the award are Connor McDavid and Nashville Predators Defense Roman Yossi. So um, I'll be really interested to see uh, if he gets the nod for the Ted Lindsay. Um, But uh, yeah, he's obviously in good company. And he is so deserving of these two nominations. Yeah,
1: Yeah, apparently, he's in the lead for the heart. The Ted Lindsay, apparently, for the player himself is more, I guess, recognition because it's from his peers from the players. Yeah, so um, but yeah, whichever one... He, he wins. If he wins both, great. If he just wins the heart, great too. Um, he's definitely deserving of it. So yeah, congratulations to Austin Matthews. Okay, so just a reminder, after listening to our show, we would appreciate it if you could leave us a review. Um, both Apple and Spotify have a listener option to leave a rating or a review and it's, it's very easy to do. Um, or if you prefer, you can always leave us a comment on social media. Our handle is at LTL1917 on uh, Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Or send us an email at ladiestalkingleafs at gmail.com.
0: And you can also check out our website, which we launched earlier this season, uh, ladiesTalkingLeafs.com. You can find out more uh, about us and the show there. So now it's time to get into the show proper. And we are going to start with our segment, Thumbs Up, Thumbs Down. And then we're going to have an extended third period segment because we need to vent about a few items from this playoff series loss and we're going to highlight a few comments that we got from our social media followers. So, without any further ado, let's talk Leafs.
1: Thumbs up, down, thumbs down. Ooh, I got that one out right. <laughs> um, yeah, we're going to stick with the uh, keys to the our our theme, I guess, that we've been using in the, during these playoffs. Uh, the the keys to the series that that we picked out. And so my first key special teams, how did we do on special teams? Well, in my opinion, not too good. I'm giving it a thumbs down. Um, The power play, I don't know what they they need to figure it out. Because for whatever reason, it's great during the regular season. And then it just plummets in the playoffs. (laughs) Um, And this is not just this year, but in at least the last two years anyways, from from what I remember. So they're four for for 28 in this series, which is 14%, which is not good. And it was first in the regular season. So, I mean, I don't know. I don't know what they were, what goes on in the playoffs. They're 0 for 18 opportunities in series-clinching games, uh, according to Sportsnet stats. And yeah, I just, it just is not... Working. On the flip side, the PK was actually not so bad. It was seventy eight point eight percent. But the interesting thing is, <laughs> we—if you actually look it up for the um, the penalties that the the team that has the most penalty calls in the playoffs, it's the Toronto Maple Leafs. I couldn't believe it. <laughs> I was just like, <laughs> we had, we have, and we still have the most penalty minutes. One hundred thirty four minutes are called against us, mm-hmm. and. During the regular season, we were 18th in the league. I just don't i like that to me is the refereeing part of it. Tampa was second, of course, because they're in our. Um, we played them, and the the way the series was called was definitely every little thing to 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 a certain point, which is another <laughs> another issue. But um, yeah, and then Calgary and Dallas followed that, and Calgary and Dallas are both. They're they're different style of teams, definitely than us and Tampa. So I don't know. I just don't get how we got called, how our how our series got called. Um,
0: I, yeah, so
1: tight like that. That just doesn't make sense. So
0: it's you wonder what the what the league was scouting there. Yeah, like, saying oh we have to clamp down on this. On yeah. what? <laughs> I don't really no, understand know. that at all. Like that is kind of ridiculous and. You know, i I think it's it be was hard for both both teams to adjust to those types of calls. Yeah, um, yeah. But uh, I don't know. It was. Uh, yeah.
1: The main my main concern is the power play. I mean, they mm-hmm. were just overpassing too much. Their zone, their zone entries were just horrible. <laughs> like they well, kept doing the drop pass thing. There was no creativity. I don't know. I just to me I don't it know. seems
0: it seems like whatever happens is that you know the the way because obviously both of these coaching staffs are scouting each other right so the way that tampa defended us made things difficult uh hello it's not rocket science that you know that they're going to try to find a way to stop you so it just seems to me that regardless of the coach that's behind the bench we haven't been able to find a way to counter that and adjust to the way they defend us on that. And we seem to then fall back to the old pattern of, of dropping back and, and, you know, slowly making those zone entries. Like, why are you not like flying in our team Mm -hmm. has speed and they just didn't use it in the, um, in the power play situation. Like they gave tampa so much time to set up that it's ridiculous why are you doing that they didn't move their feet they didn't make the game the zone quickly enough and therefore they weren't able to set up yeah is the is what i saw so you're giving it a thumbs down too then oh yes sorry (laughs) (laughs) self-explanatory thumbs down thumbs down all right moving on go to your your first uh... okay so mine was fighting through adversity um I'm actually going to give these guys a thumbs up for that because in series past, obviously uh, we have not seen them with much fight at all. And they did show a lot of fight, Um, you know, but I think that the problem in this case was we created too much adversity for ourselves. So we, we didn't give our chance ourselves, our, our team did not give themselves a chance to succeed Because we basically played the game behind the eight ball far too many times. We only had, um, we only started the games uh, one and three with a lead and all the other games we were were having to come back from being down. So I think it's really going to be difficult to win any series when you are having to fight through that and come back all the time. Um, Yeah. But you know, so because I don't want to sound too, too negative. I'm actually going to give them a thumbs up for the, the fight that they showed.
1: All right. Well, I'm not going to be too positive on this. This is another thumbs down for me. I do have a thumbs up, so (laughs) it is coming. This is thumbs down for me. This is about the killer instinct. Um, and it's kind of related to what how you said, like they didn't score the first goal except for in those those two games, um, where they were always coming from behind. But basically, in my case, they had opportunities to take control of the series and they didn't do it. So game two at home, they lost. It's almost like it's not that they didn't show up, but they they blew it there. So they didn't take the first two at home. They got Tampa got the split. Game four was the game that was really horrific that they didn't show up at all which I was actually surprised at after having such a big game three win and then in game six we were kind of screwed over by the refs but again um, well we were screwed over by the refs but again we could have clinched it we didn't and then game seven we all know what happened so to me that adversity is linked with Dealing with that killer instinct to just get the job done, like all these other teams now, um, like the Rangers, uh, they're at home game seven. That's the other thing, too. We had home ice on top of it all with this, that's true, with this Mm -hmm. series, which is the first time with fans. I'm not counting last year with no fans, um, but having the fans' support behind them and they still didn't get it done. And I'm Mm -hmm. like, I don't know what else, you know,
0: one of the things though that I, I I th- I think about this is that the killer instinct often doesn't come from your best players, it comes from your 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 depth, your um you know your role players yeah and. That's basically what Tampa showed. Like, if you're looking at their top players versus our top players, like, did any of their top players show that much killer instinct? I, I don't really think so, except for maybe their goaltender, but he was very well insulated, also. Yeah. Uh, no, it was a, a guy like Nick Paul, you know, mm-hmm. and every season that they have won, it's been one of their depth pickups on, at the trade deadline. So, yeah. I mean, obviously, we're going to be getting into these types of things a little bit more detail, but. Our depth people are the ones that, to me, didn't show up and yeah. didn't provide that killer instinct. So,
1: Yeah, and you led right into the next one, which is great.
0: <laughs> it's the best
1: players need to be the best players, and the supporting cast will be there to help out. So to me, this is two parts now because the series is over. So the best players have to be our best players, and that I'm giving a thumbs up. And it, I agree with that, too. They were the best players. I mean, Austin Matthews... um, Mitch Marner, uh, JT eventually got going, um, for the last two games. And then William Nylander, they, they were on the points. They were the, uh, the top four point getter. So Matthews had nine points. Marner had eight Nylander, seven JT and Morgan Riley had six points each. So, um, yeah, they were, they were good, but, uh, the supporting cast. Now, on the other hand, as you were just mentioning,
0: mm-hmm.
1: uh, the secondary scoring it basically showed up only in game three, so it was interesting. I look, I found some, um, and this is where Kyle Dubas. I mean, we're not going to talk about what's. We're going to talk in the next show about what's going to happen in the summer, but this is where definitely improvements need to be made for the secondary scoring because Kerfoot, Alexander Kerfoot. Has one five on five goal in 37 career playoff games. Mm-hmm. Ilya Mikhaev.
0: And, and as much as he has in the last two years gotten a lot of pub for being one of our best players. <laughs> yeah. But, <laughs> but he needs I would to say produce. that's not the case. 100%. And I would say that he started out the series well, but did not finish well. So, yeah. anyways, go on. Ilya Mikhaev
1: hasn't beat a goalie in 19 career playoff games. He has two empty netters that he got this That's series. Right. <laughs> we don't count those. Uh, no. Pierre Engvall, zero goals in 17 career playoff games. Andre. Not Kas- good enough. Oh, definitely not. Andre Kasha, and okay, this is his first season here and he's had a lot of injuries, but whatever. He, in his career, 31 career playoff games, two goals. So mm-hmm. he hasn't proven anything in the past either with his past teams. And David Camp wasn't really brought in to score, as we'd mentioned on our last show. Um, but he contributed, actually. And this was his first playoff appearance. So he has seven career playoff games, and he has two goals. So at least he even, he's not expected yes. to, but he did. But that mm-hmm. part of it, that bottom end, and I didn't count the fourth line, because this is really the third line. I mean, the fourth line is, it chips in here and there but the
0: third line Yeah, and they're more to more supposed to create energy and yeah. i think that that fourth line contributed how whether or not they were used the way they should have been used that remains to be seen but anyway yeah. but that but
1: that's that third line it needs like that's where nick paul like you said and like Alex yep. and i don't know alex calorn i think is on their second line but um yeah. but um Ross Colton is he on their third line? I think he was. Um, yeah. But anyways, that third line of Tampa basically they came up big it more than more than once. Let's say right because even that Brendan ha- Hagel right. guy, you yeah. can't just show up for one game, and then the rest of the series just think, oh well, your big guys are going to do it, sort of mm-hmm. thing, right? And and the other thing too is when it comes to supporting cast, I didn't include include the defense here. Oh um, yeah,
0: hundred percent. Yeah.
1: We we just don't. That's another area for the off season. We just don't have any anybody. Unfortunately, Sandine couldn't play in this series, but we don't have anyone on the back end that can shoot the puck. Nope. <laughs> or is willing to shoot the puck. And when they do shoot the puck, it's going wide.
0: Yeah. The well, the only person that we have is who they picked up with with who is Giordano, but he is. You He's, can't expect a guy who's thirty nine. Yeah. To be you know. Uh, Trying to match, uh, you know, Victor Hedman. No, exactly.
1: Yeah. So, um, yeah,
0: that's definitely an
1: area of concern. There is that supporting cast. So I gave that a thumbs down. Right. right.
0: Yeah. And that's I one hundred percent agree with your assessment there. All right. So now we the last our last one is uh, taking their game to the next level. Um, you know, as as much as they raise their level throughout this series, I have to, I have to agree with that. Uh, Obviously this is a thumbs down because the next level really was getting over this first round exit. And they obviously didn't do that. Um, You know, there, we just discussed, there was obviously good, um, you know, performances by certain players, Uh, but uh, you know, as a team, the team performance, obviously, um, they didn't uh, get the job done. So, right. and in this, I really, really think that the the area that didn't raise their game the most is is the coaching ranks. Um, you know, i i I talked about uh, on our last show how you've got to let your horses run, and you know, they didn't the the coaching staff didn't perform with any urgency um especially towards the second half of of that final game yeah you know you got to put your best guys out there to make or break it and you know they're they're still rolling lines for the most part they they decide to put Spezza on for like the last 4 minutes um <laughs> that's you know that's not the way you're going to win they mm-hmm. they uh basically kept dumping the puck in which is also not their game they just didn't adapt and they just didn't put their best guys out there and set them up for success. I don't think so. Yeah. Well, that's
1: the other thing. When it comes to Jason Spezza, God love him. I hope he does come yeah. back next next season. Uh, if he doesn't, if he decides, I mean, I haven't heard any inkling about him retiring. But um, mm-hmm. if he does, they should, as you've mentioned several times this season, they should bring him back as a coach or something. Um,
0: yeah. There's, much... there's a way to use him properly. Yeah. But him and Gabe...
1: I knew actually, too, that there was a problem in game five when they came out in that first period of game five and they were down, I believe, to nothing. Yes. At yeah. home. And I was like, if it and then I found out later about the uh, and everybody did about the speech that Jason, Jason Spezza had to give or gave yes. not had to, but he decided it was yeah. the right time. Mm-hmm. And I thought to myself, if it takes a guy that's had however many games in the over a thousand games in the National Hockey League like, for him at that point, for this team to need him to stand up in that room and say something to get them going, I thought there's a issue here. There's an issue in that room with to have that. I don't know. I just thought of that. It was great that they came back all rambunctious and won, but that should not have to be the case in a game five. Well, that
0: may be true, but home. I do, I do think though that that that. Players do need to do that as a team to oh, they rally need, around something. Let's just say they can rally. I
1: don't know. I just didn't think. I just think they were at home. It was a home game. How do you not get up for that? I don't know. I don't. Well, I don't think that they weren't up for it. Um, they're I don't losing to nothing. I don't know. I didn't see any at the start but of But that. that-
0: Again, like, I don't I don't know if that's necessarily the makeup. I think that's that could be the coaching that could be. Mm, yeah, the decisions that they make to who is out in certain instances. Yeah, you know, um, I, I think agree. that the game that they started Hall and Giordano together. I can't remember if that was the one. No, I think you know? that was
1: in Tampa. I think.
0: Okay. All right. Well, whichever one. Those types of decisions. Do you know what I mean?
1: Like, No, I agree. I agree with you on the coaching. I gave a thumbs down to taking the coaching, taking the game to the next level. That's thumbs down. I actually gave them a thumbs up, though, the players, Mm -hmm. um, because they did give their all. Like, they gave all they had, right? Well, and I I did say that, too. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, They did give it. So, that I looked at it a little bit differently, a little bit differently that way. they gave it their all they it just I don't know. I don't know. it's uh well, it's something else that I'll talk about in our next show
0: yeah. <laughs> that no, and, and that's for, the but... thing is that I think in, in this category, we could go off on a million yeah. tangents and there's this is not a, a cut and dry no uh one for sure because because definitely, um there are decisions that go into you know, whether or not a a player can even get to the next level, you know? Yeah. Uh, Because they're like, look at, for example, like I'm just going back to the Babcock era, you know, how much he held Austin back at that Mm -hmm. time. Yeah. And if if Bob Babcock was still here, would he be the player that he is? I mean, I mean, it's hard to say for sure, but it might be, might've taken him longer to get to where he is. You know what I mean? So, um, Yeah, so there's decisions that, you know, play into this, but you know, yeah, I I I I can't give them a full thumbs up on that if they they can't make it past this round because it was there for for the taking. However, are there things to be learned from this? (laughs) Definitely. So yes. Yeah, so obviously we and all of Least Nation are upset about the way things ended in game seven. So From here, we're going to transition right into our third period segment, and we're going to talk about all of that. Yeah, we're going to vent, basically. Mm -hmm.
1: (laughs) We're going to vent in the third period. Not that we haven't been already venting, but we're going to vent some more. So where did it go wrong for the Leafs in this series? So for me, there were the two points. Not showing up in game four. When they had the great, great game in great Game Three, I know they. A lot of people say there's no, um, was it momentum? I guess, but that was just such for Game Three to have such a strong showing by the support players, and just, just to blow that game away and lose like that, seven to three, and the last two goals were like with less than five minutes. And then the other thing I actually think was. Um, Michael Bunting. I'm not blaming it on him, obviously, but just a second point I've thought of as I was writing some notes. He he didn't look himself. He's injured, I think. Mm-hmm. Like you you noticed him out there a lot in the right, re- like in the regular season, and and like he was a difference maker on that line and just getting under people's skin. Whatever we know who Michael Bunting is. I just think that he could have, if he was healthy, hundred percent he would have made more of a difference and he would have gotten on the scoreboard more too, I think. uh, Yeah. But uh, I guess the main point, I think, where one of the main points anyways, was that they, that game four uh, um, and also that game number two at home. But the game four one really stood out in Tampa because it was just like, it was, they didn't show up. And I don't know why, but yeah. And that's it. Yeah, That's it for me as to to where...
0: is uh the, the fact that they 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 in the two games that they scored first, mm-hmm. they were able to build their momentum off of that and dominate those two games. and the fact that they did that they got down, so this kind of is similar to yours, the fact that they got down in all those other games, just they actually gave themselves extra mountains to climb. It's like, you know, they were going on a hike and they kept (laughs) taking these wrong turns. So why, why take the more challenging route? Uh, You know, they just made it more difficult for themselves. And then the other part is is not making enough adjustments um, when the tides of the game were, were turning or it seemed that Tampa was digging in you know they they didn't they even though like you're on the road or whatever like there was a couple times that Keith you know did put Matthews on like the fourth line or something like that or double shifted uh different people like you know, Matthews. First of all, he's not the only guy that you can do that with. They didn't try to get different matchups for Mitch either. Right. Uh, Mitch is a talented enough guy that I think he could a- adjust. I don't know. Maybe they don't think that the other players could play with him. Maybe that's it. I don't know. Uh, yeah. No. But, I mean, he could have. But they could be getting different looks. Yeah. To for example, kind of get with JT. them out of out of things like JT or moving Blackwell up. Blackwell had so yeah. much energy. Yeah. You know, when the other t- when the other uh, third line, for example is not clicking, why are you not moving a guy down? Yeah. You know, or even Kasha, okay? You know, I know that you think highly of him and he's, he's a pick of yours, but yeah. he hasn't played. He's mm-hmm. coming off a concussion. Yeah. You know, why, why is he even in the lineup? You could even question that.
1: Yeah, yeah, you could. But the, the other thing I was going to say with Marner, going back to him, like when yeah. JT wasn't going well... Let's just say in the first yeah four or five games of the series, four games, like, why not just double shift Mitch sort of thing, right, exactly. with him? Like, what would be the issue with the that?
0: The guy has more energy than anybody in the league. I mean, I know... You really think he's going to get too tired? I know he's...
1: Obviously, he's playing the PK, too, right? So he plays, well, let's that's say, true. extra that way. Yeah. But... There's, I mean, as a coach, I mean, I don't know. We're not co- the coaching of the Toronto Maple Leafs, but there should be a way for them to figure it out, right? Maybe he doesn't have to go on the power play every single shift, like, or on the penalty kill every s- single shift. Like, I don't know. There's Kerfoot, there's McKayev, there's Angval, there's David Kampf, and there's, uh, Kerfoot can take the, um, the draw too. Like those four players, they can, they can get it done once. Let's just say, right, and mm-hmm. slot Mitch on instead of offensively with with JT to try and get him going. But mm-hmm. um, yeah,
0: I don't and, know. And the same could be said too for for the the defense. You know, like yes, yeah, they really, really were tied to Justin. Hull. You know, certain people. But you could, you could, you know, double shift other yeah. players or play them more. Yeah, uh, in in key situations. Um, oh, for sure. You know, yeah, like they. Because there was definitely a pair that was not strong enough. And then that's the other question. Why are you so tied to uh Justin Hall? Yeah. Is as as, yeah. as well as he played, I think he played really well in in the one game.
1: Yeah. Um
0: the other but the other thing is too, I think
1: um like over time Labushkin Yes, wasn't good. His
0: game deteriorated. Yeah, and so, so why you could be double shifting somebody like Muzzin or yeah. Brody, or put Lilligren in one game then, right? Put, exactly. They should have switched him out
1: one game for the last few games since you're so tied to Justin Hull, mm-hmm. right? Like you could have done that, right? And and but I don't know. I don't know. They didn't. Uh, that the defense, I agree, they didn't. Um, the coaching didn't use them very well. So um, yeah. So there's. <laughs> Obviously, quite a bit in all that when it comes to what went wrong, um, and I'm sure there's a lot more. But those are the things that that we that we picked out, um, and yeah, we're going to go on to some social media comments. Thank you for sending in your comments to Facebook uh, and Twitter. We got these comments from our followers. Um, the first one I'm going to give it's from a handle at Fairshbang96. So she's been a fan since 2019, she says. And honestly, this is the first time that she saw this team cared. It was a great season and series that, in her opinion, was robbed from us. The officiating was questionable, to say the least. I want to see this team come back next season. And surprisingly, a lot of people are saying to have this team come back next season. I don't know when they when say team, I'm not, I'm assuming maybe like the, I'm, well. Anyways, we'll get into next season in our next show. But um, the officiating definitely, yes, was questionable. That two-man advantage in that game six, that was with the phantom call on Kerfoot. Uh, or was it Kerfoot or was it – who got the first penalty? I'm forgetting. Uh, no,
0: that was on um, – Kerfoot. Uh, camp.
1: Camp, right. Yeah, that was yeah. the phantom call where it hit the guy in the shoulder and um, hmm. and the D guy put his head back. Um, but yeah, no, yeah. that definitely – foot yeah, that definitely screwed us over there. And, um, but yeah, I, I think that the team, all the teams care, like, really, like, it's not, I don't think it was just this year, last year. Um, (laughs) sure. We won't get into it. It was a disaster last year with Mm -hmm. the pandemic. I blame everything on the pandemic.
0: (laughs) (laughs) There's a lot of blame to go around there. Yeah. Mm. And,
1: um, yeah, but, um, yeah, the officiating is questionable to say the least on
0: that one. Well, like we said from the top, when the Leafs and the Lightning have the most penalties in the first round, there's something wrong there. Yes. You know, they they yeah. basically came out with an eye on this. And it's like, to me, what's the NHL trying to do? Are they showcasing their players and I'm not mm-hmm. saying they should throw the whistle away. That is actually not not what I'm saying at all. But are they showcasing their players or are they showcasing their refs? Or do they want the 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 fans to know the refs' names? Yeah. Are we supposed to be cheering for them or are we supposed to be cheering for the players? You know, to me, they're there to manage the game. They're they should be invisible. We should not know who their names are. Yeah. You know, there's a reason why they took the names off the back of their of the their refs' jersey. jerseys. Yeah. Yeah, yeah no, it and-
1: they like i guess for the listeners out there too if you actually right now before the second before the second uh round starts if you actually put in google um penalties for the 2022 playoffs you'll see the leafs are first in in the amount of penalties in minutes 134 minutes we have as compared to uh and then Tampa obviously was second, I believe at 111 minutes. And then there was Calgary and Dallas. But then you look at our, in the regular season, the Leafs were 18th in the league. Yeah,
0: how do you go from, you know, the bottom...
1: All the way to top.
0: Yeah, the bottom third of the league all the way to the top. Yeah,
1: and I understand that the first game there was the feistiness involved. That's fine. Like there was the calls there on Clifford and Simmons and that, but still, it doesn't the rest of it doesn't make any... There was every all the little ticky-tack kind of calls mm-hmm. that really weren't mm-hmm. even called in the regular season. Yeah, and
0: that's without us taking dumb penalties like we did last year with with all of the over-the-glass. Yeah. And <laughs> we led the league this year with the too-many-men uh, calls, exactly. and we didn't even get one of those. <laughs> all right, so we've entered about the refs, so let's move on to the next... All right, so our next comment uh, came from Facebook, uh, Joanne Sheard. Uh, the Leafs played a great game, is what she says. Uh, the only thing the only thing less passing the puck and they need to shoot from the point more. And the refs need to open their eyes and call the penalties not to just one side. So, okay, we covered the ref thing yeah. um on this, uh, yeah. but definitely agreed. Uh, l- this is basically goes back to what you were saying about the power play. Yeah. It's too much passing and they need to shoot. Yeah, they're looking they're they, they looking need to shoot, period. Because to me, what did I see Tampa doing all the time? Yeah. Shooting from everywhere. Didn't matter. They got gained the zone. They shot. Yeah. They tried to get the puck on net. For a garbage rebound. Believe- and most of the time, it's some that's you know, we defended that pretty well for the most part. It was an onslaught some of the time.
1: Yeah, believe me, but- to the listeners, first of all, that's what Sil was saying. As we we're sitting in Scotiabank Bank Arena, why aren't you doing what? Look at what they're doing. Look at what Tampa's doing, shooting it like shooting it from everywhere, basically. And yeah. Yeah. yeah and they and yeah, and I don't know
0: why we're all it's like we're always looking for the pretty play. Well, or you think that during this this the playoffs that Tampa is going to give you an open lane? No, no, no way. They are not. No, that is basically they. That is what they specialize yeah. in. Now, and so if you scouted that team properly, yeah. you should have noticed that as well as the after the yeah because the, uh,
1: Kucherov Scott scrums Kucherov and and Stamkos were not great in this series. No, it was all about Victor Hedman and their defense. And McDonough getting away with murder on 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 some things. Um, that goes
0: that leads to the ref part of the comment too. yeah,
1: Yeah, but we've gone through that. But yeah, no, definitely we agree less passing of the puck around and shooting from the point. I mean, we again, we don't have that shot, unfortunately, from the point. I mean, it would be yeah. Muzzin well, actually scored. Uh, interestingly,
0: though, you know, Sandine, who yes. didn't get a chance to come into this. Yeah. Uh, he does have a shot yes. that can get through. Yeah. You know, it's not a hard shot, but we don't necessarily need a bomb no be nice to have hopefully but 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 something that can get through yeah so that you know we can tip one in or something you know
1: and hopefully that's what we need hopefully he'll i think it's his knee again that same knee that he messed up earlier in the year That, but hopefully i mean he was good to go but like we said um before that uh Like, you're not going to stick the kid in there in the middle of a series um, like this, right, at this point when you're coming back from injury. So hopefully next season he'll be good to go and he'll be a part of uh, next season's playoff run. So,
0: yeah. Although, interestingly, they did think think that it was fine to put Kasha and Bunting in, though. They don't have that much more playoff experience either. Yeah, well...
1: Yeah, not bunting. Kasha has a little bit more, but uh, I mean, they're forwards too, right? Like on this side, I still think they would have. That is true. They should have put Lilligren played well in those first two games. I don't know why. Yeah, there was
0: nothing wrong with his game. Like he did not make any egregious errors. No,
1: I don't know why they didn't insert him for Lubushkin, at least uh, since they, Sheldon Keefe seems to love Justin Hall for whatever reason Mm -hmm. so much. But um, yeah, what's our next one? Our last one here.
0: So, the, this one comes from uh, Twitter again. So at AM34 feed, uh, should the NHL put less emphasis on divisions, you already get the benefit of playing within your division a lot more, but then uh, have divisional playoff matchups on top of that. Is that really necessary? Yeah. I don't know. What do you think,
1: Chris? No, I definitely prefer the the... The format based on the conference, um, which was, it started back in 93-94. I looked it up to try and get my memory back. It actually wasn't going during the 92-93 run, but it was the following year that it started where the top eight teams make the playoffs. Um, And so it's a mix of the both divisions. Um, In this case, like the Atlantic and the Metropolitan, I guess, on our side. Mm -hmm. And in that case, I went through uh, this year's... um, I guess standings with the points and we actually would have played the Boston Bruins instead um, mm-hmm. if that happened. So not to say that the, um, like the outcome would have been different, but I mean, actually, I think it would have been a l- even more interesting. Like the whole idea, I guess, that the NHL claims on having this division format is to create more um, rivalries. Well, I don't know. To me, back in the day, even in the 80s, we still had, we had rivalries even without this stupid division system. We, 100%. We had St. Louis and Chicago were our main rivals back then. Then, going into the 90s, we had those two, plus we had the Red Wings on top of it all who were in our division. Um, mm-hmm. But, yeah, I I don't like the divisional playoff format at all. Um, and the main thing is, um, I just I just think it gets boring after a while like it's not and it's it's I like the mixing of of having the whole conference like the ability to have a mix of like we could play the Rangers at one point we could play um, at least more often the different to me I I like the different um, I don't like being playing the same team constantly.
0: No, I, I agree with you. And the thing is, is if they want to create more rivals, r- rivalries, they can do that by, you know, addressing the schedule in a, in a better way. Um, You know, changing the amount of times we play certain people, changing when we play them. Yeah. You know, like, how do you even create a rivalry in like, for example, us versus Florida when we like played them hardly at all. And all of the games that we played were like at one time of the year.
1: Yeah, you that's know, like, true. Yeah. You don't so get a feel for it. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Because the team so, is not the same
1: in October as it is in
0: March and April obviously exactly yeah. so so that that to me is a farce and the other part of it is is I don't know how it makes sense for the NHL at all you know to even do it this way because why would you want to basically create a conference final uh game in your first round with your top two teams yeah. always and yeah, the like two of your top teams and then you basically are taking out all the competition. I know that they want to believe in all this parody crap, you know, that anyone can win, but they're creating that they're making it so that anyone can win. Yeah, by, they're
1: losing revenue, by, basically, like even you mentioned before yes. about like the TV revenue, like yeah. the amount of TV revenue that they're losing. Now the Leafs are out. Like, I'm sorry, I'm not what I'm I'm watching only to get the I'll promote it here on Sportsnet that this is big code from uh <laughs> so I could win some money so <laughs> right I'd yeah, better get something out of this yes exactly <laughs> right but I, I'm not
0: watching entire games or have any interest in them no smart on them for having the contest then because then they at least are you know kind of getting sucking us in that way count, counting the viewership
1: that way but uh but yeah no I'm it's it's not like they're losing revenue that way and the amount of like if the i don't know like for an original six team whether it be the Leafs, Montreal, whoever, uh, the Rangers are still in it now. Um, the Bruins are out too, but the amount of money just sold as they go later in in rounds. Those teams, uh, Chicago, the um, like. There's other things like the sales of the shirts and the jerseys and the all the paraphernalia to say that oh, we were the. I don't know, the division winners or the conference winners, whatever. Well,
0: considering like think about it, you know, that the the reversible jersey yeah. that the Leafs had. Yeah. That was the top selling jersey in the NHL. Right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. For just a random, you know, roll out during the season. Mm-hmm. Uh do they not want to make money?
1: No, exactly. Yeah.
0: I just don't understand it. Uh, Anyway, you know what, we're going to go into a lot more of that um, down the road. Yeah. So
1: yeah. So um, yeah. So thanks to all of our social media followers for those. uh, We did get more, but we obviously can't. Unfortunately, we can't get to all of them. But um, thank you to everyone that that left a comment. Um, So yeah, last week, we said it was going to be a big week for Brendan Shanahan, Kyle Dubas and company. And it's going to be another it's definitely going to be big now and it's going to be another interesting summer for the Leafs
0: Mm -hmm. so of course there's been a lot of discussion in the past couple days on why this team can't get over the hump and win in the playoffs um Interestingly, this morning on the on the Fan Five Hundred and Ninety uh, Sportsnet's uh, radio, um, Chris Versteeg uh, gave some of his thoughts and included Leafs fans as part of the problem of why the Leafs couldn't win. Um, <laughs> yeah, I for one was so offended by that comment. He basically said, to paraphrase, that you know the Leaf fans that were in the building on Game Seven didn't show up. You know, of course, we were among those. Um, He said he can't believe that, uh, you know, they were hanging in the back and weren't out for the third period and that nobody was standing during the third period to cheer this team on. Okay, having being in the building and where we sit, which is where the real fans sit. Yeah. Upper bowl. Top of the building. Upper um, bowl. We can we can say that, yes, we were very loud and yes, we were standing the whole time. In Almost the whole time. In fact, um, there was a guy behind us
1: that was yelling. He was actually becoming annoying to me, but yeah. <laughs> I mean, he's a fan, so I didn't say anything because you need people with that energy. He was yelling for the entire game,
0: a hundred percent. And we've said it before: this is the loudest and the most boisterous and the like most uplifting crowd I have been a part of at Scotiabank Arena, formerly the ACC.
1: Yeah, yeah, and far none. Yeah. The problem is, is that the diehard fans like us and everybody else uh, are in the upper bowl. Mm -hmm. And the people that have to pay $10,000, the companies that just give away their tickets or whatever they want to hang out and schmooze down underneath into the whatever stuff they get their benefits, um, they're in the bottom. So obviously, that's where they're going to show... The TV cameras are all down there by the ice, obviously. So, yes, I mean, sorry, we can't do anything about that. Um, But don't to me, I'm just saying myself, don't lump in that group with us.
0: Well, but yeah, the other thing is, too, is he brought up the as an analogy, uh, Madison Square Garden and how oh, yeah. all the rich people that sit down there. Yeah. Um, you know, they're all there at the beginning of the game. Um, I would just like to say this. Madison Square Garden is like the oldest building in the NHL now. Is it not? I mean, they've revamped it several times, but it's not like the com- the fan base is, has completely turned over there. The people who have been sitting in those seats have been sitting in those seats for decades and decades and decades handed down to families all of that so it's the same rich people that built that building that's not the case it's the Scotia Bank Arena yeah, and you don't which know it was a new building built so if you go to any new building built including for example Detroit yeah. which is a new building it's awfully quiet at the beginning of periods also, because to get a building built now for any NHL team, that requires corporate dollars. And the corporate dollars does not necessarily mean you're getting corporate dollars from, from fans. Yeah. Yeah. And and you
1: don't know too, I mean, they have renovated, like you said, MSG, but uh, yeah. you don't know, like obviously our restaurants are underneath, like the services are probably different at MSG exactly. as opposed to where what we have at Scotiabank Arena, all this Little sushi bars <laughs> yeah, and everything are underneath. It, they probably it, in MSG they probably have sushi right in front of them that they can get, like a buffet. Yeah, so,
0: honestly, that's true. <laughs> you know, like it, if that is a huge design flaw, they probably <laughs> yeah, thought really. that they were making the best use of space and this was a good idea. But yeah. you know, looking back now a few decades, we obviously know that that was probably the not best choice, not the best choice. Anyways, I just say to Christopher Stieg,
1: don't lump in the whole entire building, uh, because. It- like, there are, our fans are the best fans. Leafs Nation are, that's what this team is about. And the players, the players know that. They've said, like, Morgan Riley right off, like, in his comments afterwards. Like, he obviously said um he was very appreciative of the fans, including us there, that uh in the Upper Bowl, we all, we all were there at the end of the game. We waited. And they did the handshakes and everything like that. So...
0: Yeah, actually we speaking of
1: handshakes, not to say I didn't like Sheldon Keefe's comment at the end there. So No.
0: That Who cares about the respect that you get. That's something yeah. that keep in the room. Yeah. I don't think you need to say it to the that's press. Another,
1: that's another that's coaching us. um yeah. problem there. That's not mm-hmm.
0: I know he right after
1: that he kind of said a comment to kind of <laughs> to Yeah, say but we're not in the respect yeah.
0: business, we're in the winning business business. Yeah, yeah, but
1: still everybody's picking on that first part not the second so um yeah so anyhow i
0: don't know all right so where do the leafs go from here um we'll have to see what management says in their final press conference for the season uh we'll give our thoughts on this in our next episode along with a grading of the team's performance for the past uh, 21-22 regular season as well
1: yeah so also regarding our um podcast schedule, we're going to be reverting back to our normal regular season schedule. So we'll be back on the first Wednesday of the month, uh, which will be June the 1st in this case, and then two weeks later, also on a Wednesday. Um, to make it easier for yourself, just follow us on your favorite app and you'll never miss an episode. One final reminder to be sure to leave us a rating or review and let us know what you think of the show. Uh, it's very easy on Apple and Spotify, and it's important for our show to get more exposure as a source for Leaf content. We thank you for taking the time. And you notice we've been saying this the last few shows. So we really hope you uh, you take the time for us to, to give us a review.
0: Mm-hmm. And another way for uh, you to communicate with us is obviously uh, by uh, following us on uh, social media. So you can find us on Instagram, Facebook and Twitter and our handle is at LTL1917. You can also help us out and visit our Kofi page at ko com slash LTL1917. You can follow us there, and if you choose to, you can support us by buying us a coffee. Any donation goes towards helping us produce the show and making it even better for you. You can find the link to our ko page on our show notes or in any of our social media profile pages.
1: Yeah, and don't forget to check out our website, ladiestalkingleafs.com, as we'll be updating it with new content throughout the off-season into the summer. And as always, we want to thank our healthcare workers that uh, continue to work and and keep us uh, keep us going. The pandemic's not over, unfortunately; it's still there, but uh, it's much better situation. But we thank them and the first responders for everything that they do.
0: So we thank you so much for listening, and of course, we'll be talking Leafs again in a couple of weeks. As always, go oh, Leafs, go! go.